Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Welcome again to Christ Central. My name is Daniel. As Sam just prayed, I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad uh, that you are with us on this hot, uh, muggy, inside the sanctuary morning. Please feel free to use your bulletin. All of you already feeling the freedom. Use your bulletin. Uh, keep yourself cool. My wife texted me when she got the email saying we had no AC. She was like, take a bottle of water up there. I don't want you fainting while you're preaching. Uh, so I've got a bottle of water up here as well. Uh, but I'm glad you're with us this morning. We're continuing in our summer sermon series in the book of Proverbs, uh, seeking to understand how to live on the way of wisdom. And if you've been with us over the past three weeks, you've heard a few different ways uh, to define wisdom according to the Bible. Basically, wisdom is godly skill for living in a complicated world. Godly skill for living in a complicated world. And God's wisdom comes to us as we submit ourselves to him, knowing and trusting that God actually built life to work a certain way. And he built it to work well. And so we submit to God and we realize that we're not competent to navigate all of the complexities of this life. We ask God to change us from the inside out so that as we grow in God's wisdom, we grow in knowing what to do and what not to do in differing situations that we face. We've seen in our study that knowledge, it it does matter. But the wise are not always the, the most read in the room or the smartest in the room. The wise are those who submit themselves to God and trust that God built this world to work in a certain way and he built it to work well. And the way we're tackling this series in Proverbs is by looking at different themes, treating it like a puzzle, taking a theme and and then taking the different pieces of that theme throughout Proverbs and putting the pieces together to give us a fuller understanding of that theme. If you were here last week, Evan preached on the tongue and the importance of wise words. This morning, I want you to hear this. That no person can grow in wisdom by themselves. You cannot grow in wisdom alone. We all need other people. Specifically, we need friends. And so I want to preach on friendship this morning. And I realize uh, that if, uh, if I would have said we're going to preach on romance or sex this morning, more ears would have perked up. All right? Our culture has trained us to be more excited about romance and about love than friendship. But we will not make it in this life if we're not good at choosing, making, and maintaining friendships. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to look at two verses, but throughout my sermon, I'm going to reference a number of Proverbs, but I'm going to read Proverbs 17, 17, and then Proverbs 18, 24 for our scripture this morning. This is God's word to us. Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I thank you that you have spoken to us, and we need you to speak to us again. So I pray, Holy Spirit, as you have been at work already, as we have been worshiping you, you would be at work now through the words preached, that they would fall on fertile soil of our hearts, that you would transform us, 
that we would leave here understanding friendship and longing for friendship. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you in this time. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, a, a number of months ago, maybe uh, I think some of you probably have seen it by now, but uh, Saturday Night Live produced a very funny, insightful skit called Man Park. How many of you saw this skit? It, it starts off with a guy sitting on his couch all alone, and then the narrator starts. According to studies, many men say they have no close friendships, and three of four re- report receiving all their emotional support from their wife or their girlfriend. And, and it's this skit on man's inability to make and build friendships. The skit suggests that just like a domesticated dog in a city needs a dog park to socialize with other dogs, so do men need dedicated spaces to be with men, thus man park. It's this funny piece that SNL created that it kind of mocks modern masculinity as well. Men coming together in this man park to find friends so that they can talk about football and Marvel movies and who's the goat. If you don't know what goat is, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady or Michael Jordan. They get into this argument. And as funny as this is, I do think it points out something very true in our current reality. Men, and I would say this holds true for women in many ways as well, do not live in ways that are conducive to friendships. And the proof of this is seen in the growing rates of loneliness in our society. One of our summer reading books is titled The Loneliness Epidemic. Susan Metz uh, is the author. She works with the Barna Research Group, and she writes that one in three adults feel lonely almost all the time or sometimes. And loneliness was increasing before the pandemic hit, and the pandemic only exacerbated this problem, and it's a major problem, so much so that it's called an epidemic. That's a strange way to talk about loneliness, an epidemic. Epidemic, it's usually a way to talk about an increase in the rate of disease caused by bacteria or viruses. But the former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy said in 2017 that loneliness was an epidemic. The growth has accelerated and become a major public problem. And what the loneliness problem reveals is that we have a relationship problem. And I'd be more specific and say we have a friendship problem. That the absence of friendship is truly dangerous. And catch this, the wisdom of God written in the book of Proverbs has been saying this all along. And so we're going to look this morning at friendship. Now before we get into my three points, I want to ask you to just to think about this. If you had to select six to eight people, two to four of them could be family members, so maybe half, who would you pick to be your pallbearers? Who would you choose to carry your casket at your funeral? At the end of our earthly lives, every single one of us wants to have people who would feel honored to carry our caskets because of the love they've experienced in friendship with us. We all want friendship. 
And so we're going to look at three things in regards to friendship this morning. We're going to look at the barriers to friendship. We're going to look at the bond of friendship. And lastly, we're going to look at the power for friendship. Let's look first at the barriers to friendship. Now, there's no way I can lay out an exhaustive list for all the barriers to friendship. So I'm just going to suggest a few big ones for us this morning. And the first one is time. Time. An excuse that I often hear is that in my stage of life, it just doesn't enable friendship because I just don't have the time. I've heard it from students who feel the pressure to perform well on exams. They just don't have the time. I've, I've heard it from people who feel the need to prove themselves at work. They just don't have the time. I've heard it from people who feel the demand of raising children. They just don't have the time. I've heard it from grandparents who want to travel and be with their children and grandchildren. They just don't have the time. Life becomes full of necessities. And we all want a little bit of me time, and that's not bad. But if we do all that's required of us with a little bit of me time, there's no time for prioritizing friendship. Time is a barrier. A second barrier is mobility. The current moment that we're in is extremely conducive to work anywhere or work everywhere. Many people have the options to travel, to move, to transition in jobs. And technology allows people to connect and work remotely from wherever they choose. And to build genuine friendship, it requires proximity over time. As good as it might feel to connect over FaceTime or a phone call, it's not the same thing as being physically present with a friend. We all know this. There's a, there is power in the hug of a friend, of, of embracing a friend. There is power uh, when you're with a friend, when they break down in tears, or when you laugh at a joke together, or when you eat around a table together. It is hard to build deep friendships if we're always mobile. A third barrier to friendship is priorities. I said in our first week in this series that, that all of us have been schooled in the way of the world, not in the way of wisdom, but in the way of the world, which is the way of the self. It's natural for all of us to look out for number one. Proverbs 19 verse 6 says this, many Seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Verse 7, all a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? This is wisdom teaching us that the way the world works is that often people relate to you based on what you can give them. People will be friends with the wealthy because they can help them achieve the life they want. The poor will burn through friendships because people will leave them when they do not provide a way to achieve the life they desire. Proverbs is schooling us that seeking out our best life will cause us to use people rather than to be friends with people. And the financial pressures that we feel can cause us to look for the optimal career uh, our lifestyle, regardless of who we have to cut out or leave behind. The desires that we might have for our children's education or even desire to be aligned with other people in, in a city politically can cause us to leave others behind as we seek out 
our version of the good life. Friendship requires sacrifice. And friendship is predicated on each person's willingness to set aside their priorities for the good of someone else. Time, mobility, priorities. These are just a few of the big barriers to friendship. So if you want friendship, you're going to have to be intentional to cultivate friendship, to be aware of how you spend your time, aware of how your mobility is impacting your relationships, and look to sacrifice some of your priorities for the sake of others. It's the barriers to friendship. The second thing I want to look at is the bond of friendship. Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friendship is different than family. That's what Proverbs is teaching. It's different. Family, it's going to be there when adversity strikes because there is obligation for family. A friend chooses to be with you. I'm going to give you a few descriptors of the bond of friendship. I got these from Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner. Here's the first descriptor of friendship. Constancy. A friend is constant. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. This means, this means that a friend loves at all kinds of terms. That a friend sticks with you through the ups and the downs, no matter what, because they love you. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A companion is in relationship with someone because it meets a need or because it's useful. And a companion says, call me if you need me. A friend doesn't wait for a call, but is already there when you arrive. A friend is rock solid and will go to the mat for you, even if it costs them. There is constant availability between friends. The second descriptor of the bond of friendship is candor. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Real friends do not flatter one another, but refine one another. There is brutal honesty between friends, not for the purpose of tearing down, but for the purpose of sharpening and building up. There is an honesty between friends that sometimes feels painful. Have you ever had a friend tell you, hey, when you did this, it, it came across this way. Or when you said it this way, it sounded like this. Timothy, who's an, another pastor on staff here, has done this a number of times in our friendship. I can talk about Timothy because he's on sabbatical. He can't do anything about it. Uh, Timothy, on multiple occasions, has looked me in the eye and said, Daniel, when you, when you, when you did that, it felt this way. When you said that, it sounded like this. And at first, it stings. It wounds. Because you want to be defensive, or at least I do, and say, no, no, I, I didn't come across that. I didn't sound that way. And initially, it's a wound. But when the walls of defense fall down, it becomes a kiss, which is what Proverbs 24, 6 says. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Candor and full transparency between friends is loving, even if it initially hurts. So do you have friends who speak the truth and love to you? Candor. 
The last descriptor that I'll give for this bond of friendship is care. You know, one of my favorite uh, verses in all of Scripture is Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. That's a verse framed and hanging in our children's bedroom. <laughs> Meditating on it day and night. We've discipled them to understand quiet in the morning until at least coffee's consumed, right? I'm joking. I'm joking. Proverbs 26, 18 to 19 also talks about joking. It says this, like a, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. You see, what Proverbs 27, 14 and Proverbs 26, 18 to 19 are saying is that a true friend is emotionally connected to the other person. You cannot think you are loudly blessing and it actually be received as a curse. You cannot deceive and say, I was only joking. You cannot be emotionally disconnected and insensitive to another person's needs, feelings, and desires. Friends' emotional lives are tied to one another. If I can be happy when you're sad, you're not my friend. Friends are emotionally connected voluntarily. There's always care toward each other. Now, I know I'm setting a a pretty high bar for friendship in a culture that doesn't prize friendship. And let me say this. It's not about the quantity of friends that you have. It is about the quality of friends. And the older I get, the more I realize that my circle of genuine friends is is smaller than it used to be. Or maybe maybe it's always been that small and I just never understood friendship. But I'm realizing it's smaller. And, And that's not an indictment on other relationships. It's just calling things out for what they are. I mean, when Rachel and I got married, I had 16 groomsmen that I wanted to be up on stage as she walked down the aisle uh, with me. Now, will all 16 of those be a pallbearer at my funeral? No. Some of them are already more companions than deep friendship. And there will be some who carry my casket that weren't there on my wedding day because we've become friends later in life. So maybe you're hearing this and you're wondering if you'll ever have the friendships you desire. Let me just say that that's a good place to begin. Because realizing the need for friendship is where we need to start because God wants us to come to him in our need and ask him to provide. God wants us to come to him and say, God, give give me some friends. And maybe you've heard this this morning and you thought, maybe I don't have friends because I'm not the friend I could be. Where do we get the power for friendship? That's my last point. The power for friendship. The God of the Bible is a friendship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From all eternity, loving and being loved by the other. The triune God created all of us, male and female, in his image. So that we might be friends with God and friends with one another. Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the day was an expression of friendship that they had with God and with each other. But if you've read Genesis, then you know in Genesis 3, humanity turned away from God, turned away from one another, betraying friendship. And then Jesus in John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not, do what the master, does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. 
For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Jesus is the ultimate friend who sticks closer than a brother, who is with us in the ups and the downs, who did more than go to the mat for us. He sacrificed his life and death for us. He did not inflict wounds on us, but was wounded for us. He would lay down his life and death and in doing so, lose friendship with the Father and the Spirit descending into hell so that we might have friendship with God. And Jesus ties his heart to our hearts. When we are sad, Jesus is sad. When we feel despair, he longs for us to know his love and embrace. Exodus thirty-three eleven says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Church, we're not Moses, but we have Jesus. And it is through Jesus that we're brought into friendship with God and God speaks to us as his friend. Jesus sees our failures. He sees our weaknesses and does not walk away. Please hear this. You are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. The school of this world teaches us that we belong to ourselves, that we we must look out for number one, but the wisdom of God teaches us that we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to God and to his kingdom. And we're compelled to love with the love we've received. We sacrifice for others because Christ has sacrificed for us. We constantly show up because Christ always shows up. We care deeply for others because Christ deeply cares for us by tying his heart to our hearts. We receive power to be a friend when we understand our friendship with God and when we understand that we belong to God and to his kingdom. God's going to take us all into the lives of many people. He's going to take you into the lives of many people. Some people like you and some people not like you. But as Christians, there is the potential for something so radical and so powerful. True friendship, not based on interests and hobbies or politics, but a friendship rooted in loving and being loved like Christ loves. A friendship that finds great joy in belonging together to to a kingdom that's not of this world. A friendship that has a common horizon of a kingdom coming. A friendship forged in a shared mission to the world. One of my favorite singer-songwriters is David Wilcox. I've I've quoted him before. He has a, a song titled, The Lonely. And he sings, when I get lonely, that's only a sign that some room is empty but that room is there by design. If I feel hollow, that's just my proof that there's more for me to follow. That's what the lonely is for. Loneliness is not wrong. It's been with humanity from the beginning, but it is proof that we were created for more. Andy Newman, the founder of WeWork, knew this. I'm watching We Crashed, the story of WeWork on Apple TV right now. Andy Newman founded his whole company on this fact. We're all lonely, and we're all longing for community. And as much as WeWork had a bad business model, Andy Newman was onto something, and it was compelling to many people that we have a loneliness problem. We have a loneliness epidemic. The good news of Christianity is that we have a solution. 
So we, we were created to have friendship with God. And Jesus has promised that though we might betray him, he sticks closer than a brother. He is the friend who will never leave nor forsake. He loves at all times. And it's through friendship with Jesus that we can be empowered to be the friend that others might need. Friendship can be forged as we realize, Christ Central, that we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God and to his kingdom. Amen? So may God be so kind to give us all good friends and to allow us to become good friends. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that though we feel lonely and though we feel isolated, we're never alone. Lord, would you allow us to to know and experience your loving embrace even this morning? You are the, the great friend of sinners. Though our earthly friends may fail us, you never do. And we do pray that you would bless us with true friendships here in our own lives and that you might help us to be good and true friends to others. God, would you comfort us as we journey toward your kingdom coming, as we lock arms with our friends journeying towards this horizon of heaven and earth meeting? Would you give us something that is radical and powerful, a witness to this world, genuine true friendships in Christ? We belong to your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.